0: Welcome to Dwight in Shining Armor, The Sunken Kingdom, the the behind-the-scenes podcast about everything Dwight. I'm Josh Breslow, and I play Jacopo. Today, we're talking about Season 1, Episode 9, Todd. Written by Leanne H. Adams and Brian J. Adams and Valerie Waylert. Directed by Paul Hohen, guest starring Evan Hofer, Danielle Bissuti, and Bonita Friderici. As always, we have a blanket spoiler alert, so if you haven't watched episode nine yet, stop whatever you're doing, you can finish glazing that hogshead later and watch Todd, either on BYU TV or at BYUTV.com Dwight. First, a quick recap. Dwight has decided to Marie Kondo Greta's castle slash house, and as the princess begins to sort her mail, she accidentally reads a love spell and falls in love with the first person she sees, the paperboy, Todd. Greta pursues Todd figuratively and literally, while Baldrick and Dwight seek out a counter curse before Greta does irreparable damage to Todd, herself, or her feet. (laughs) <laughs> now that everyone's been brought up to date, let's get to our guests in studio. We have both of the creators and showrunners of *Dwight in Shining Armor*, Leanne H. Adams and Brian J. Adams. Hey,
1: Josh. Woo-hoo. Hey, Leanne. <laughs> Yay, Josh.
0: (laughs) It's so good to have you guys here every time. It's great to be back. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We don't know where he came from or how he got here, but once again, we have Evan Hofer, a.k.a. Clawdwig the Unstable. You're not my dad. (laughs) (laughs) And for the first time IRL, we have the lovesick princess herself, Caitlin Carmichael.
2: So glad to be here not over the phone. (laughs) It is
0: so good to have you. All right, so let's uh, jump right into the episode. I want to start... With the Who's Goodwill joke because I realized something while I was watching the episode that when you have a princess who grew up a millennium ago Uh, you get to have a young person make as many dad jokes as you want, but it's in earnest (laughs) instead of purposefully making the joke. Caitlin Carmichael, queen of dad jokes. (laughs)
3: That's right. That's right. I have
2: been trained very well.
3: (laughs) So was this the real reason you created the show? (laughs) Absolutely, yeah.
1: Just a a vehicle for dad
3: jokes. We have a vault of dad jokes, and we didn't know what to do with them. We're like, hey, we should make a TV show. show. Brilliant.
1: Um, My
3: real question here is, um,
0: since we haven't really talked about it since the pilot, how do you approach writing Greta's comedy specifically
2: so they just like to torture me and watch it be funny
3: (laughs) (laughs) what would make Caitlin look the silliest (laughs) it's
2: absolutely true
1: (laughs) but um, the way that that we've derived humor in this in this story is that the characters from the past and the characters in the present misunderstand each other all the time. They use words that the other uh, misinterprets. So uh, goodwill to Greta sounds like a person uh, and she doesn't have any context and finally when she figures out what he's talking about it's like oh you mean the poor box <laughs> which is like the least PC thing you could possibly say and Dwight's just horrified. So our way of describing things has changed so much uh, and we get a lot of humor out of that. Not that she's even aware of the of, of how non-PC she's being by using terms like that. Um, it, it would never occur to her and so that's a lot of the fun that we're having with all of the characters from the woods is they, they misunderstand the way we use our language. Um, also, there's an earnestness to um, to Greta that is where so much of her humor comes from. She's she's never playing the joke. And that was something that we really looked for when we were casting Greta. There's a lot of humor in her character, but she's sort of unaware that she's funny. And that's really important. And And that everything that she's saying, she's very serious. She's in dead earnest about it. Um, and that ends up being funny because we understand how out of place she is. But if Caitlin were to approach it as like, oh, I bet I can really get a laugh on this line, <laughs> it, it would undermine the character entirely.
0: You know, when you are describing that, I just realized you actually created a show where all of your characters are fish out of water, which is... Very yeah. odd. Usually there's one character
3: who's out of water and yeah. it's the normal world for the rest of them. We always dis- describe this as a double fish out of water comedy. Well, so, so so, uh, Greta is obviously a fish out of water in Dwight's Dwight's world, but Dwight, obviously the in reverse. And then there's so much overlap. So you're right. Everyone's out of water all the time. <laughs> I feel like They're all gasping for air. Nobody t- knows t- what's going on. <laughs> That's just Evan. <laughs> uh, um. <laughs> I don't read the scripts Brian's about <laughs> to lose his water.
2: <laughs> um, I feel like in most typical comedy shows, there's always a character that has to stay serious to set up the jokes for the people that are typically sure. funny and get to um, have those punchlines. But I think in our show, something that's really different is the characters that do come across as more serious still get to have their own jokes, but it's just because they're being earnest about it. And it's the kind of situational comedy yep. more than them it, trying to be exactly funny. Exactly right. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: And uh, as a guest star, another rarity with your show is that guest stars are usually there to set up jokes, Hmm. but consistently your guest stars have the jokes, and that's very exciting for a lot of actors. Mm -hmm. It's not very common.
1: the most fun that we're having, honestly, yeah. is, is throwing crazy characters into our world to to stir the pot uh, and seeing like how would Greta react to this troubadour or how would Dwight react to this witch and 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 so absolutely they are um they're characters that we're fascinated by and we don't want them to just be a means of of making our our stars look funny um they they should really be stars of their own episodes.
2: Yeah, I think stirring the pot is a great way to describe that because even um, for our series regulars on the show, it completely alters the dynamic when someone new comes onto set. And We just like to sit back and watch and see what they're gonna do with their characters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so um, aside from the who's good will joke, you have Greta sharpening an ax and owning half a dead mouse in a box. <laughs> It's a good story about that (laughs) half a dead mouth. (laughs) I I do hope that one day we get to learn that story. Um, Did you put those moments in the script specifically to show Greta's kick-butt nature before she fell head over heels silly in love?
3: Absolutely. There's, as we've talked about before, we don't want to... Punish the return viewers, but we also want to make sure that the new viewers understand what's going on. So we took a minute just to establish who Greta is, and she's the kind of girl who, when she's sitting around with nothing to do, she gets out her axe and starts to sharpen it. <laughs> and so, like so, one does. Yeah, exactly. She's not. She's not the you know type of girl to go goo goo eyes over you know some guy that that uh, she sees riding by on a bike. So so that is important. So a quick a quick story about that authentic antique axe sharpener that we were able to source from someplace. And the thing was probably 100 years old, and it's been used to to sharpen axes forever. It was a legit piece. And we we were just starting, and Caitlin very gently just... Pushed the thing to spin and it broke in half and landed <laughs> on the floor. And it's solid stone. I have no idea. It was like it was rigged to blow. And so, if you notice in the episode, the the axe, the spinning axe wheel is not spinning because we had to like imme- try and figure out how to glue it back together. And and we actually clamped it, and so it's That was the the
2: first scene of the episode. It was, and the ax is moving, (laughs) not the
3: spinning wheel, because that thing broke the instant before we shot it.
0: Uh, So Caitlin, right off the bat, uh, Greta encounters the love spell, and you get to spend the majority of the episode as lovesick Greta. How did you build what Greta would be like head over heels in love?
2: Well, I can say, to be honest, starting off, this is the episode when I first felt like I really got into character, because somehow being the most extreme form of Greta helped me kind of learn a bit about who she was deep down on the inside. but I worked so hard on this script trying to bring a little bit of myself into it and meet it with Greta and just every emotion is heightened in a way. And that kind of develops this love sickness when it seems like, The sky is extremely blue and there's a beautiful smell in the air and everything in the world has something more beautiful about it and just kind of sensory overload in every scene. And then you put a hog's head in it and flower (laughs) petals and singing angels and there's not much that, there's so much to play around with. There's not much that I have to think about with all of that kind of burst of color and liveliness in the whole episode. So it wasn't too hard and the writing on this dialogue was so great. Like Leanne was saying before, I didn't really have to push the jokes because they were all written in the dialogue and they were... Um, having a shrine for Todd, that speaks for itself. I don't have to do anything extremely overdramatic to really sell that. So, um, great writing. That's definitely what made this episode.
0: Let's listen to a clip.
2: Halt, kind sir! A gift? No, that's your newspaper. You paid for it. What is your name, gallant stranger? Huh? Todd. Todd, there is music in the sound. And where do you hail from, fair Todd? What?
0: Uh, She means where do you live?
2: Oh, um, the new neighborhood behind the Walmart. Sir Todd of Behind the Walmart, the honor of making your acquaintance has been the bright spot of my life. Huh? How thrilling it is to watch you ply your trade.
0: You're doing a great job with those papers.
2: Oh, it's pretty easy. I got a bike. How nobly you sit upon it. (laughs) Sir Dwight? A self me. Quickly, I wish to remember this moment. I am absolutely not going to do that. I gotta go. Oh, you may take my favor and carry it with you to inspire and protect you in battle. That's okay. I got Kleenexes. (laughs) Farewell!
0: How did you land on the name Todd and... What was casting like for Todd?
1: Okay, so Todd, um, well, first I should say that this episode came to us as a spec script uh, written by Valerie Wailert, who I'm just, I have to get it out there. Valerie is my sister so (laughs) it is a family show so this is the first episode that (laughs) Brian didn't know (laughs) I I had no idea (laughs) this is the first episode that any other writer besides Brian and myself wrote right so Valerie who I've written with Valerie for years we've written short stories together we've written novels together she's a much better novelist than I am Um, and we we have just enjoyed working together so she comes to me um, early on after, after Dwight got picked up for the first season and she says I would like to write an episode of Dwight and I thought oh crap <laughs> <laughs> because now it's, it's I mean she's my sister and, yeah. and she's not only my sister she's my best friend besides Brian and so it was like this could maybe become an awkward thing if it's no good if I have to say no I'm sorry and, and she's like no I, I, I understand that it may not be what you want but I have this idea and I want to try to do it and if you don't like it you don't like it and I said okay fine so she <laughs> she writes the script. Well, she pitched me the idea first and I I was like, "Okay, that's awesome." <laughs> All right, you go ahead and write it. And she sent in the script. And I laughed and laughed and laughed. what she had done so well is that world's colliding that Greta's idea of how you win a man's affection in this <laughs> 10th century princessy way is so bizarre and then the way that and it was Valerie that had the paper boy she's like, how would a little, a little paperboy react to this hogshead and this girl coming on so aggressive and and anyway it was just such a good script that that I was like all right let's let's continue to develop this let's work on it together and and then we continued to work on it and and got it to where it was obviously ready to go. I mean, it was one of the funnest scripts of the whole first season. So she landed on Todd as the name because she wanted a name that no offense to anyone named Todd it's a perfectly nice name but it's not a musical name no Todd Todd. but she followed that up with there is music in the sound <laughs> <laughs> and that, that was the whole joke is there's no music in Todd yeah. but she but
2: Greta found the music I was gonna call him Todd <laughs> <laughs> and then
3: and then casting Todd was actually an episode unto itself <gasps> as well
2: <laughs> I just remembered okay
3: oh yeah you did remember you were there that so so we out from we family. always we had always pictured Todd as we wanted to go young with him yeah. uh, and that was our our concept and we thought it was even funnier that you know that he was he looked and even was younger than than Greta and so uh, the network said, okay, but get some ranges. And so, when we first saw Cooper Johnson, who ended up playing Todd, we were immediately in love with him, in love with his performance, in love with everything, in love with the fact that-, that You're using even... in
2: love in a, a yes. very There's <laughs> <specific> a <laughs> There's a theme, There's a a theme to this emphasis.
3: episode. <laughs> so, I mean, Cooper, uh, right away, was everything we hoped for. And his deadpan delivery, and his, you know, just deer in the headlights look at everything. It was like, yes, yes, yes. So, we selected him. We we always, you know, pick our, our our recommend, and then we give them a couple alternates, and the network didn't like it. Uh, And and they, they they thought he
1: looked too much like a little boy. They're like, this is going to be a little
3: weird because he's, he's too young for Greta uh, to fall in love with. And he's too young to even be in love. And this is all weird. And And we were
1: like, no, that's, that's the humor of it. He's younger than her. So it's like this woman is chasing him with a hog's head in his mind.
3: So we were, we were really trying to sell him on it. And we said, all right, here's what we'll do. We'll bring him in for a chemistry session uh, to, to the stage. And so it was actually at a lunch. no, it
2: wasn't. It was on break because I never even got the time to introduce myself. Oh,
3: oh that's right. Well, what what I remember I is, is we terrified him
2: so bad. But well, what I remember is is is
3: Cooper. You know, is, is he's a you know little kid. Uh, I, I mean, just slight uh, in in build, and it, and Caitlin comes in in full armor, <laughs> and she immediately looked like she was gonna break this kid in half <laughs> and, and i was like oh no this is not gonna work they're gonna you know the network's gonna even be more mad about this and they did the chemistry read and it was even better than the audition cooper's wow. performance was again just perfect no,
2: it was because it was completely real it was totally it was, completely he was actually see, like, scared of you when <laughs> i come out of the house for the first time and i'm talking to him on the bike and i give him my handkerchief and i really it was just like hi i'm caitlin let's get right into it yeah and he had no idea what to expect yeah. but I can tell you it was not what I did because I knew <laughs> that they wanted to see him freaked out so I thought that I would give an extremely heightened mm-hmm. performance and get like all up in his face with my dialogue and then I felt so bad afterwards because I could tell he was so terrified <laughs> he,
3: he got the job though so I'm sure he's fine right yeah. that, he, fine. he 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 really did I think part of it was acting and part of it was the reality he was actually intimidated by, by Caitlin which we loved even more yeah. so we sent it to the network and we're like yeah we love it they hated it no like no, 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 no. This is gonna be really weird. Cast somebody older and bigger, and and, and luckily and like, it, that it kills the whole humor. We're like, you it. don't it get it. it. If, if it's
0: older and bigger, you go yeah, okay. yeah. Like but this you cool girls yeah. coming at me she, yeah okay yeah. All right.
3: but so him it, it, you know cooper being terrified was exactly what we were hoping for and to the network's credit they trusted us and they let us have it and also after they saw you know the episode the cut. cut together like you guys are right that's yeah. fantastic yeah. so thankfully but we this was one of those times we really had to fight for it and, and you know props to the network they they trusted us and and i think it worked out in mm-hmm. the end
4: I like that you guys send a couple of alternates and then as soon as they're like, "Well, go with one of the alternates." You're like, "No." Well, but did you hear about But, but,
3: but did you hear what I recommended? We recommended this one. Did you hear Did you Did you see the one we rec- We recommended? Yeah, let's go back to that one at the top. So, Evan. Hi, buddy. In this episode,
0: Baldric quotes Clodwig. quotes one of his lessons to Dwight when Greta runs off. He says, "Enemies are all about." And then Dwight escorts Greta to the best cooks in the village with his sword drawn the entire time. Is Claude Wiggs education of Dwight working?
4: Well, I'd say that sword drawn is a step in the right direction. <laughs> I, would say, I would say his form and stance perhaps uh, lagging behind the <laughs> lessons. But uh, I just found out five minutes ago that uh, I did not know that was a joke in there from the previous
2: episode. And I didn't, nobody, either. Nobody I didn't did. either until That's I read the, this. And I was nobody like, knew. I told my mom, I said, I wish that Josh could ask us these questions before we film the episode Thanks. because I would feel 40
0: times smarter. So Greta goes whole hog on her first courting attempt.
3: Ta-da! Uh, Thank you. Hey, dad jokes. Thank you. This is the theme. Thank you very much. Thank you, just trying
0: to stay with the theme. Um, how did you think of Greta chasing a guy on a bicycle with a glazed hog's head, and how long did you feast on the glory of having organically designed those circumstances? <laughs> Whoa.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so the hogshead, that was Valerie. That was her idea. It's uh, sort of like this, this um, gesture, this romantic, ultimate romantic gesture from a medieval maiden to her, her knight. <laughs> let's, let's feed him <laughs> with the hogshead because this would have been this amazing delicacy. And you know how could this possibly go wrong? He'll, <laughs> he'll surely know what I mean by this hogshead. <laughs> uh, so that was in that original spec script. And that was the moment I like, fell out of my chair laughing was the hogshead. It was sort of the, the perfect way of epitomizing how different these two cultures are yes um and it and i loved that it was something that terrified <laughs> the terrified todd you know no uh, no, no it, cooper not just Todd. <laughs> yeah. both of them um, not just that it was a little off or it didn't work but it scared the dickens out of him maybe my favorite um moment of the first 20 episodes is is caitlin chasing cooper down the street with that hogshead but
3: when she comes across she just. <laughs> <laughs> when when I first saw that cut together oh in the gosh. dailies, I, I was like, "Oh my gosh, Wait, we are well, on to something!" And by the way, like that little dinosaur that like spreads its face out.
2: Well, also, I'd like to talk that Leanne came up to me after we did the scene, and she said, "Caitlin, I love when you started running after Todd. That little like waddle run you did." And I was like, "Leanne, that was not on purpose. The hogshead weighed about thirty-five pounds. No, being it was a real. It was a real, real hogshead. Hogs it was a real. We real had a caterer. Yes.
1: yes, no, no harm.
3: Yeah. Yeah, no, no hogs were harmed. He was the hog was already dead already when dead. we bought it, but we did have to hire a person who actually knew how to glaze, glaze a hogshead, and and that was a real hogshead. And then it actually kind of after we shot the episode, it sort of you know was not kept track of, and it was, kind of went rancid on <laughs> no. the set. Yeah, so we had to the, dispose in the scene of it. When
2: I'm sitting there with it in my lap, rubbing my hands on it, that was like halfway rancid. <laughs> yeah, it
3: was on I'm its way breathe. to bad. Oh yeah. man,
0: <laughs> I feel like we always come back to the glamour yeah. of Hollywood. The glamour of Hollywood. <laughs> quick nerdy uh, editing question. Um, passing through the wall from the mask scene when Baldrick has made the mask into uh, the scene where they're talking to Greta in the living room. So kitchen to living room. Yeah. Is that a cut or did you actually pass through behind the wall of the set?
3: We shot that contiguously. And actually, I, I remember wow. that uh, the it wasn't the original plan. I think it was it was on the day uh, our director of photography Bank Johnson uh, was pitching the idea to the director of this episode Paul Hohen and he was saying look you know Banks was saying we can do this it'll be really cool I got this and I think Paul was a little hesitant at the beginning cuz it's a little bit of level up you know from from a photography standpoint but you know Paul said yeah let's you know let's let's go for it and then Banks pulled it off and and I think it's a really cool shot and it also adds interest in the scene because you're you're pulled from that fantastic mask scene <laughs> right into the fantastic <laughs> hogshead scene so yeah i was i was really happy that that banked you know came up with the idea and pitched it and that paul was for it because it adds a lot of interest
0: so greta sets up an elaborate scene to entice todd angels throwing petals reclining on a couch and for all that effort she gets smacked in the face with the newspaper <laughs> How did getting hit in the face with a newspaper work?
2: My newspaper was a fake newspaper that was just the outer paper widely kind of rolled up. But it really was our director, Paul Hohen, standing behind the camera chucking it at my face. Um, I really did not know what to expect in this elaborate uh, scene set up to entice Todd, but because we're filming in the middle of a real neighborhood, all the moms going for a jog in the middle of a Tuesday morning got a very interesting scene to watch. Um... And uh, Claude Wig gets hit with a newspaper as well. Oh yeah,
0: in the the (laughs) the siege scene? No comment. (laughs) (laughs) I think that was a real newspaper. (laughs) (laughs) Let's listen to another clip. Maybe it's not meant to be, Greta. I mean, you're a royal warrior princess
1: from a thousand years ago, and Todd is a seventh grade paper boy from Woodside. Plus, everybody knows print is dead. You really want a guy with no future?
2: That's it. Sir Dwight. You must tell me at once the secrets of love in your time. How does a woman win a man's heart here? Whoa, no, 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 no. You're not roping me into this circus. What? Why not? Because you don't really love Todd, Greta. <sighs> what happened was you read a magic love
0: letter that turned your brain into silly putty. You're jealous. <laughs> jealous? So, Caitlin, Dwight reacts a bit adversely to Greta proclaiming her love for Todd after she's rebuffed once again. And Greta calls out Dwight, even in her love state, on being jealous. Do you think she's right?
2: Well,. Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but basing off the original script, we noticed this when watching the episode on Monday night, wasn't a little bit of Dwight's line cut in Mm -hmm. the final master. It used to trail on for a little bit longer of Sloan going, psh, wah, psh, (laughs) "Ah." Noises like those that Sloan produces to kind of trail on the fact that he is jealous Mm -hmm. and avoiding the subject Mm -hmm. a little more, but that remains a mystery that Mm -hmm. the average viewer will not get to see. But Mm -hmm. in... Like you were saying earlier, the love state doesn't completely overshadow all of Greta's insights. It just brings out the heightened sense. So maybe if she's more prone to feeling in love, she's more prone to noticing when other people are feeling the same way.
0: Hey, Evan, um, for what earthly reason does Claudwig think no one knows more about love than Claudwig? <laughs> does it inform Claudwig's character for you that all of his ideas to get love involve manipulations and contrivances? I think
4: I think as far as the manipulation aspect of it goes, we can we can all agree that Claudwig's methods are always questionable, but always his motives are positive. I think while his methods are questionable is the nicest way I can put it. So I think he, you know, just didn't grow up around people, so he doesn't necessarily know that these things aren't acceptable but boy, are they not acceptable.
0: (laughs) But he's really trying to find love or he's trying to have good friendships. Right, if
4: you really dig into it, like the core of it where his heart is is always in a good place, he just doesn't know how to get there in a uh, productive manner.
0: Yeah, he's not honest, vulnerable...
4: No, he's, no, he's yeah, which would be a very you know kind of a more modern w- approach as well. If you look at like how Dwight would approach okay. romance and would approach love, like that wouldn't have been the way thirty years ago, let alone right, you know, a thousand years ago.
0: Yeah, and it is funny because Claudwick is generally so vulnerable except when he's trying to do something and then he has to do all these things (laughs)
4: exactly as soon as it's his idea (laughs) (laughs) um so caitlin when
0: greta lies about going to lie down in her chamber she is clearly a terrible liar is this just because of the love spell or do you think greta isn't necessarily the best liar
2: well i think that because greta is used to really ruling a kingdom basically she's used to having people always believe that her opinion is correct like she's always had Baldrick in her life to support her no matter what decisions she may make so when she's doing something that goes astray from how people want her to behave it takes a little bit of effort that she's not used to in the sense but this was also the second episode we filmed and I was still finding the balance between some personal instincts that I could bring into Greta and I'm a terrible liar when it's about anything important <laughs> if, I, if I have to really sell something and it's crucial and I have to get a point across I can't lie but if I need to say I ordered something different than I did at a restaurant something like that can go by on a fly but when it's really important I'm not a good liar at all that's why I don't lie so it was finding a little bit of that 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 balance and then we're also seeing Greta I think for the first time sneak out and try Mm -hmm. something that she's not supposed to be doing for a sense
0: that's really interesting not just the thing about lying but now I'm thinking you shot the pilot a while before then you shot Winnie And then this. And Winnie and Todd are two very different Mm -hmm. episodes for Greta. Uh, Winnie Greta plays much more of a passive character and then Todd is all you. But in both cases,
3: (laughs) you're still not fully Greta. It's true. And it's an interesting point. And and the way just the practical realities of of production made it. Made us choose to shoot Winnie first and then this one, but but you're right, Greta doesn't really hit her stride, and also the weird thing is, uh, Winnie is episode seven, uh, this one Todd is episode nine, and, and then so it's like right after
2: we filmed the fairy episode, yeah, exa- you're so right, was- and wow. it's an
0: <laughs> so you wow yeah, so it was a bit until you and just then it was had a normal Greta
3: after. Right, After and I that, think that shackled. shackled I think was, is
2: well, everyone was like, "Oh, we're mm-hmm. we're a bit more normal for a change." Yeah,
3: e- exactly. Uh, but it's it's an interesting point, and it's a testament to you know these guys to have to you know remember where we are in the the larger story, and also since you haven't even really established it, but you're already deviating from what you would right. have had to establish. It's a pretty next level acting challenge.
4: That's also a testament to the writing that, despite the fact that we don't necessarily know this arc at the time, it's still able to play correctly. Mm because the writing makes it honestly pretty straightforward.
2: Right, when we went back and watched uh, Winnie the Wyvern for the first time seeing it, we were all sitting there going, so that's what we were talking about.
4: (laughs) 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 So many jokes we know are funnier now.
0: (laughs) How much of the mall makeover 90s classic kind of sequence was scripted and how much of it was decided on the fly?
4: That was maybe my favorite thing to shoot in the entire first season. Um.
2: A lot of it was not even improvised, just accidental that decided that ended up making the cut, I Mm -hmm. think. Um, a couple of the things, like I remember, I continue. Why did I wipe out so many times when shopping for the nightgown? Do you remember that when you I kept just- falling, I just kept falling straight on, on my the- face. But
4: while falling, she would like take an entire rack down with her.
2: One of the moments that wasn't scripted was you spraying the perfume mm-hmm. in our faces,
4: which was an accident.
2: That was a complete accident. <laughs> yeah, it- that's why we didn't break character because it was so unexpected.
4: <laughs> yeah, I accidentally sprayed poor Caitlin in the eyes with. That, and of course, some of the bottles were just water and some were perfume. like perfume mm-hmm. or soapy water or something. And of course, I hit us with one of the ones that's not just water. <laughs> oh,
2: I think that it was the general outline of it was pretty much mm-hmm. laid out. There was just yeah. um, going down an escalator, shopping for dress, shoe yeah. shopping, perfume testing, and makeup. So there was mm-hmm. a lot of room to play around and just kind of the boundaries of what the camera angles were really.
4: Got it.
1: And my favorite so, part of that is that Greta just falls in love with this granny nightgown. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's the, the m- most beautiful thing, beautiful thing she's dress. ever. This is the one. And you can see her lips. She's like, this is the one. <laughs> and she finds this blue granny nightgown. It's oh, just fantastic. And then,
0: of course, she puts on heels. What was it like purposefully walking badly in heels?
2: It was a lot of fun but I think it was even more fun at one in the morning the night before going to set to film that scene wearing a pair of my mom's high heels that she had brought for our inevitable rap party so going funny. down the hallways of our hotel walking and trying to practice a really terrible <laughs> runway walk and then people would get up to go get a midnight snack and I was like yep yeah, just me nothing to see here
0: Like some woman is forcing her daughter to walk the heels
4: over right, and is
2: over Is a beauty pageant going
4: on? And I, I just realized Watching it the other night, that for some reason I thought it that I should look at the nightgowns like I was gonna buy one too. (laughs) Oh yeah, you look interested in what you perceive. I I was like,
0: oh, Claude would thinks that's a tunic. (laughs) I understand. Never have too many tunics. That's right. So at the end of the tea scene, Danielle looks directly down the barrel
1: of the camera.
3: Why does Hexla get to break the fourth wall? Is this a witch thing? Well, it's funny. We were just watching this episode with our kids, and our 14-year-old said, wait. What just happened? She totally (laughs) stared down the camera. You can't do that, can you? And and, and I think it wasn't scripted, but when we got into the edit, seeing Danielle do that, it just worked on so many levels. And I I think it's just a witchy thing. Well,
1: she's looking at the audience like, I got him. (laughs) <laughs> they've just done this little tease. Ladies swap. and gentlemen, we, we got, got him. him, and so it, it, it's this nice moment between her and the audience yeah. where she's conveying like, "Oh, he thought he had he'd outwitted me, but no."
2: But um, Leanne, we were watching this with her on Monday, and I said, "Did you just look down the camera?" And she goes. That was completely accidental. Well, <laughs> well, apparently Paul had given her direction saying to look off with a smirk glance, but mm-hmm. because they were shooting the mirror reflection, it just happened. It to just look went like right into that. it. But I don't think it was intentional. It but was when, a
1: magic moment. Yeah, it, when we it saw it, we we're like, was. "Oh my gosh, I love that so much!" So we we kept it, even even though it's breaking our own rules a little bit. It feels so right for her.
0: It yeah. does, and and I don't want to get into too much because we'll talk about it in episode ten. But Hexla does is starting to feel like an overseer mm-hmm. uh, for everybody. Yeah, and right. um, we'll talk about that more later. Um, so and nearing the end of the episode, Greta is no longer under the spell thanks to Hexla, and we get to the heart of the episode. Baldric gets to be a uh, father and explain how love works. You'll know when you find it, I think is what he says. What's it like for Greta and Baldric to open up to each other so slowly over the course of this first season?
2: I think that that's nuance that comes very much in the details and it's sort of overlooked in the general arc of the episode, but there's a lot of moments that slowly progress to become bigger and bigger to developing this father-daughter type parental relationship that stems between the two of them and it's really beautiful to watch. And we have an episode coming up called Mirabelle that I'm really excited to see the Baldrick-Greta parental relationship and just friendship and camaraderie really show through mm-hmm. in some of those scenes.
0: Right, I feel like we started peanut there's a moment when dwight looks at you both and go don't you ever hug and now we're at a point where he's giving you fatherly advice and now i'm looking forward to whatever happens mm-hmm. in mirabell but it's a really nice arc it's, to see it's between the two It's sort of the of fish
2: out of water storyline of showing how parents and children have a close relationship and the close bonds that uh, dwight and nana have is a little mm-hmm. bit contagious for baldrick and greta in a way
0: Oh, really well said Um, So we end the episode where Greta possibly sees Dwight a little differently after her conversation with Baldrick about love. And I just want to say, we have that moment at the end of Shackled Under the Fireworks. We have the moment in Winnie the Wyvern with the GPS on the iPad. We have Greta almost falling in love with Dwight due to a love spell. We have Dwight getting a little jealous when she's in love with someone else. And now at the end here, we have Greta seeing Dwight in a new light. What is it going to take for these two to see each other at the same time? hopefully about 58 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> 6 seasons in <and> a movie. <laughs> well, That's we're, a g- good we're just going
1: to tease that as much as we can cuz this is it is a slow burn. Their relationship, their their romantic relationship is a very slow burn because they're so different. Um, because they're not what the other one expected they would ever fall in love with. Um, and
3: we're, we're old enough to have uh, watched Moonlighting and the whole will they, won't they. And <laughs> so w- we're, we're not going to be premature about anything.
2: Yeah, I was in the car on the way over here and, and I was talking to my mom about it and I was like, I think it's really... Art imitating life and life imitating art. And even for me playing Greta, I don't know what love is, but maybe by the time Mm -hmm. Greta figures it out, I will too. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of the thing. And also that because she and Dwight are growing so close and when something's right in front of you, you often don't realize it. So it's one of those things that's overlooked, but the audience is like, what are you guys missing? (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it works really well. And I I do think it is because they are two totally different people that it's hard to come to. Uh, mutual understanding. Yeah. I mean, it's it, there's a there's quite, there's quite a lot more than a moat between them yeah. that they have to cross to figure this out. That nice. was some medieval nice. pun. <laughs> Boom. From dad joke to Ended dad joke. Ended on a dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, that wraps it up for season one, episode nine of Dwight in Shining Armor, The Sunken Kingdom, the behind the scenes podcast about everything Dwight. Thank you, Evan, Caitlin, Brian, and Leanne.
1: Thank you, Josh. Thank you. Shout
4: out, Josh.
0: You You guys are awesome. (laughs) You can follow Evan on Instagram at Evan Hofer. You can follow Caitlin at ReallyCaitlinXOX. You can follow Brian at Brian underscore J underscore Adams. And in exclusive Sunken Kingdom news, I'm announcing for the first time to the public that Leanne is no longer under the champion spell. And you can follow her at Leanne H Adams. And if you have any questions that are as yet unanswered about Todd, please tweet your questions or send video questions to at Dwight and Armor, and we'll tackle them somehow, someday, somewhere. Tune in again next week for Season 1, Episode 10, Champion Do-Over Part 1. I'm Josh Breslow. Thanks for listening. Go on an adventure today. It might change your life.